says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And that verse is sitting in inside of the entire chapter 6. And so when, when we go back and look at the entirety of chapter 6, what we find is that there's this dialogue happening between God and God's people. And, you know, folks are, are having issues, they're laying claims, they are, you know, going before God, and God is saying, listen, tell me, tell me, tell me, you know, what do you think you have done? What do you think I want from you? And I particularly uh, was struck by verses 3 through 5, where God says, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? I want you to answer me. And then when you drop down to verse 6, it talks about what God requires. And essentially, God asks the question, are you going to give me your burnt offerings? Are you going to... Um, send me all of all of your oil and, and all of these sacrifices from basically from evil, from unrighteousness and a lack of justice. So if you can imagine this, right, just go just go there with me for a minute. Can you imagine robbing your neighbor and taking that money and giving your tithe off of it? <laughs> mm. Can you imagine um, overpricing if you are in business and you're selling um, food or clothing and you are overpricing and you are um, charging much more than what people really can afford. So you are basically robbing those who are poor. And then you're turning around and offering those things to God as a sacrifice. That is essentially what God is saying to these people. You, you're doing all of these things. You're not living in just injustice. You're not living in righteousness, and yet you're bringing these things to me. And yet you want to know why I'm upset. And so nowadays, of course, sitting in the church, we are not necessarily going to admit that we went and robbed our neighbor <laughs> um, to put a little extra money in the offering pan. We're, we're, not, we're not doing that. But if we sit and we think about the society in which we live, the ways in which, and y'all just bear with me, for, for the brothers on the line, if you know that the sisters are getting paid less money than you for the same job, how is that just? And yet you might go and take your money and pay your tithe and your offering off of it. But you know it's not just because the women are underpaid. Everybody's quiet. Somebody unmute yourself and talk to me. <laughs> we're, with you. we're with you, sis. We're with you. Okay. All right. Um, if we know that, and I'm, I'm going to go here, if we know that um, immigrants and, and, you know, we're bad for it in, in my, in my circle of friends, they make jokes. We make jokes. Sometimes I laugh. I will admit that y'all pray for me about the Latin, the Latin people coming and cutting grass and painting the walls and stuff like that, because you know, they're not going to charge as much, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, is that really just, we have to truly take stock 
of whether or not we are living justly and truly representing the things of the kingdom. Because when we consider the life and ministry and the teachings of Jesus, Jesus was all about social justice. Jesus was all about, yes, he taught kingdom, but Jesus taught kingdom on earth. So Jesus was not teaching. We just don't have to get it right when we get over there on the other side. Jesus's teaching was all about being the difference, being the light, being salt in the earth. Mm. If we are passively just letting things ride, we are not a part of the solution. We are a part of the problem. My God. And we we have to give account for that. We have to stand and take responsibility for that. So the other thing that I will highlight from verse 8 is that it says um, the what what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? And I'm emphasizing the word do because that means action. Do justice, not just passively let things happen, whether it's in the church or in the political realm or in our jobs or whatever the case may be. But we are supposed to actively do what is just. Doing just, uh, doing justice sometimes requires self-sacrifice. In the work, excuse me, in the work that I'm doing right now, there's a lot of talk around diversity and inclusion and trying to um, dismantle systems of oppression and racism, things like that. But the reality is to undo systems of oppression means that somebody has to actively give up a place of privilege. My God and a sense of power. The question is, are we willing to do justice? And not just protesting, yes, that's good, yes, we need that, but when the picket sign is down, when the when the permit for the protest is up, then what? What are we willing to do in order to create and manifest God's justice in the earth? Sabrina, you can't just sit and pray. Uh-huh. Yeah. Question. So what so now uh, saying that what's the difference between doing justice and protesting? Is that the same? Is is there a difference? Could could you um say more about that? Sure. So I I believe and you will hear me say this phrase a lot, thus says Sabrina. <laughs> um I believe that protesting is a type of doing of justice. All right. But it is not in and of itself justice. <laughs> so we protest as a means or a way of trying to get at justice, but we can't be satisfied with just protesting. That's good. Um, That's good. I'm going to use the example of what happened in Charlotte. Um, there was a, a, a time of what Charlottetians now call, it was unrest in the city. And there were lots of protests happening around um, police brutality and uh, police killings and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, folks took to the streets and unfortunately there was some rioting and some looting that went along with it. But after all of that happened, I can't really tell you that a whole lot of justice came out of it. I believe that there were people who were proud of themselves for taking it to the street, 
and there are people who pat themselves on the back and they can say, I was out there, look, I'm in the picture, in the newspaper. But if that's all you did, if protest is all you did, you have to ask the question, was it truly enough? Did you do justice? Did you see it all the way through? Or did you just stand there as um, as a noisy symbol? My God. So that's something that we have to consider. We've got to realize, and it's 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 um, difficult nowadays, in my opinion, because we live in a microwave generation. We want to see change. We want to see things happen immediately. And when stuff takes time, we tend to give up on it, or we suffer from what I call social ADD. We go to the next thing, and we never see it all the way through. But we've got to realize that change and justice takes time. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to undo and dismantle injustice overnight. Sabrina, each um, each Wednesday, we we not only talked about in the month of uh, February, we not only did we talk about uh, justice and what was going on in the book of Micah, but also some things that took place um, here in the States. Uh, there was a an, an occurrence with the uh, 1969 hospital workers um, strike. And mm-hmm. the hospital workers at um, the medical college uh, went on strike um, demanding um, better treatment and, and better pay. And mm-hmm. two leaders of that strike were, were Mary uh, Moultrie, uh, who, who was a nurse, an activist, uh, Bill um, Saunders. And what, what they were basically saying in the protests that we found out that there was a lot of uh, discrimination and that employees were referred to as monkey grunts and a lot of derogatory names. And so Bill Saunders was the person that um, was contacted concerning the workers. And so um, he was pretty much the motiv- motivating factor. Even though he wasn't in the hospital, um, helped them bring the workers out. But once he got them out, then he was able to work with them and keep them focused. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, in, in other words, we, we many times have to act um, post-protest, as you say it, and, and, and see it through. And so, we have so many examples. So, my question, I guess my second question, sis, is what are some of the difficulties uh, you, you experience? Uh, you in Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. You shared earlier uh, some of the things you've seen, but also what are some some of your some personal difficulties you've experienced in protesting or speaking truth to power? Yeah. So great question. One of the things, um, as I stated, I'm a part of <clears throat> an initiative right now. It's actually being spearheaded by the United Way that is here. Mm -hmm. Um, around diversity and inclusion and the creation of change teams across various nonprofit organizations and businesses here. 
And one of the things that I talked about in our last training segment um, was around being exhausted, mm. especially in this uh, atmosphere in this season in our country. So, you know, exhaustion is real. Burnout is real. And for whatever reason, I have my theories <laughs> about um, what is feeding um, the the air, um, feeding the, the mood and just the craziness that seems to be happening. But when you're working in it, when you're living in it, and then you're turning around and trying to be a part of the change, so you've got folks who are also looking to you for guidance, it can be exhausting because I'm doing all I can to just survive the microaggressions <laughs> and the injustices. I'm doing everything I can to not cuss y'all out and punch y'all in the face for saying things to me like, oh, you, you're so articulate. You speak so well. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff that people do, right? <clears throat> or um, and, and trying to cultivate and here's where I will, will tag on the next part of verse 8, love mercy, uh. to cultivate the ability to remain compassionate and kind right. while the folks around us are trying to figure out what we've been saying all along, right? Wow. So sitting in the room with people who don't look like me mm -hmm. um, and who, who are finally starting to get to a place of saying, I, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't know. Um, but even... I, I was bold enough and bold or crazy, whatever you want to call me on this particular day, they made us do the privilege walk. I don't know if you all are familiar with that activity, but, but you stand and you start off standing in a straight line, shoulder to shoulder to people. And then the person and the facilitator reads these different sentences and they'll say things like, if your parents, if one or both of your parents had a, had an education, take one step forward. Um, if you, um, were in school with people who with, with people who only looked like you take one step back you know all of these different things that they will um read out and and that determines how many steps forward or how many steps back you take and the black people i'm just gonna call it like it is the black people in the room already knew <laughs> we were gonna be towards the back of the room and the rest of the folks were gonna be up towards the front we already knew um, anybody who's done the privilege walk before, we know how this works. And every time the folks who don't look like us, mm -hmm. um, whether they are not African-Americans or Latinos, or even the men were, were further along than the women, typically. They're looking at us, we're looking at them. And so I just happened to say this particular day, I hate this activity because I always know what it's going to be. Mm. I understand why we do it. I understand that it is an effective um, technique to open up the eyes of people who sit in privilege. Mm -hmm. But today is one of those days when I don't feel like being an object lesson. Wow. I don't feel like being the, the object that you're studying today so that you can have this revelation into what your privileged life looks like. <laughs> that was bold of me to say that. Um, Fortunately, the folks in the room who sit in more privilege appreciated that and, and they were able to voice, I never even thought about how tiring it is to sit in the room and have to tell your story over and over and over again. 
So, you know, that's one of the challenges personally um, that I've had to deal with is just that level of exhaustion. The other thing that I'll talk about is the advocacy for our children in the schools. So my full-time job, um, we work with middle and high school students here in Charlotte in what's considered Title I or economically distressed schools. So we're dealing with kids who, a good number of them, who are either poor or they're coming from socially challenged neighborhoods. They already have a lot of Uh, a lot of things working against them. And of course, because this is Charlotte also, most of these kids are black and brown. Mm -hmm. And so doing this work can be tiring um, when you've got to continue to tell their story. And then you also have to continue to keep them motivated or try to get them motivated to, to take on life and to envision that things can be different and that the world can be more just than it is. It just takes work. Sabrina, um, so, give us mm-hmm. the give us the name of the the com- the establishment you're with the company. Mm-hmm. I work for um, an, an organization here called Right Moves for Youth. Okay. So that's Right as in R I G H T. Moves with an S for youth. And let me just say, you know, this organization has been around since 1989. Wow. And we are still trying to level the playing field for our kids. Okay. You talked about Um, diversity. You talked about justice. Jesus used his life as an example uh, for justice. He, He demonstrated it. You know, God demands it, but Jesus demonstrated. Um, in what areas um, can we we hold up in our lives to 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 imitate that 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 justice? What should be the response of the church? I think the church needs to respond a couple of different ways. So one of the things, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about Jesus. <clears throat> had to do or has to do with the Syrophoenician woman. All right. I'll, I almost got thrown out of a church one time um, <laughs> for for laying this, this out like this. I know that we love Jesus and, you know, we talk about him being the perfect lamb of God mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. But the story of the Syrophoenician woman shows us a side of Jesus that was able to grow and learn something new. Jesus tells this Syrophoenician woman based on the culture and the traditions of his time and what he had been taught. He says to this woman, it is not fit to give the children's bread to the dogs. Yes, sir. Jesus is perpetuating and, and operating from the system customs, traditions of his time and his culture. But the woman responds with, yes, but even the dogs eat crumbs from the from the table. My God. And her response causes Jesus to shift gears <laughs> mm. and to go against the customs, traditions, and systems of his time. Yes, Lord. And say, you know what, woman, you got some faith. Let me do for you what you ask. 
I think the church needs to learn a lesson from Jesus's example of what it means to be willing to learn something new and to grow beyond our traditions and customs. Wow. Wow. That is doing justice. That's good. That's good. Now, I made some folks mad because they just, they were like, Jesus was perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't say Jesus wasn't perfect. I didn't say that. <laughs> right? But what I believe is that the humanity of Jesus gives us a model of how to be human, beautifully human, in the earth while we are trying to manifest kingdom. Wow. That's what I, I firmly believe that. So the church needs to learn how to move beyond the customs the systems, the traditions, even some of the beliefs that we have held because grandmama and them told us. Uh, Maya Angela said, when you know better, you do better. See, right? See, yes. But we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to learn from people who are not like us. I'm not That's saying good. to compromise the standards of, of God. I'm not saying to throw away the Bible. What I'm saying is what's wrong with having a conversation just to try to understand where somebody else is coming from. Mm, I love it. You said something very significant um, in that narrative with the Syrophoenician woman. Um, he was, mm -hmm. Jesus responds, uh, you, you brought it out, so we'll, we'll take it there. The first thing he mm -hmm. responds, he, he was silent, and then he refused. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. he, it seemed as if he was rebuking her. But finally, mm -hmm. he rewarded her faith. So now, yeah. why did he not answer her petition immediately? One mm -hmm. reason is we got to look at the context. She's a Gentile. Yes. She's a Gentile. And mm -hmm. approach him on Jewish terms. Yes. And she calls him the son of David. Yes. And then she called him Lord. Mm -hmm. You have a Gentile who's now using the language of a Jew. Yes. He answers her petition. And then he delays by testing her faith. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she knew mm -hmm. that the Gentiles were saved through the Jewish nation. Mm -hmm. Right? But it's what she said. What, how, how did mm -hmm. she respond, sis? What did she say? Even what? Say that last part again. I said, how, <laughs> how, how did she respond? What did she say? In response, well, well, she said even the 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 dogs eat the crumbs from the children from the table. From mm -hmm. the table, yes, right. I I, I remember mm -hmm. hearing Pastor Brown uh, preach a sermon, and he talked about something about the crumbs, <laughs> mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. about the crumbs. What what is this saying? As you said mm -hmm. earlier, sis, it is growing beyond where we are and seeing through the lenses of somebody else. That's what yeah. liberation theology is all about, saints. Seeing yeah. experiences through the lives of somebody else, in particular those who've been oppressed, the black, the brown. Mm -hmm. 
But I believe that God is calling the church to do a new thing. Go ahead, sis. I'm, I'm through. No, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. And and you're hitting it. And but here's the thing. Now, I'm I'm gonna throw this little monkey wrist just for y'all's consideration. <laughs> just for your consideration. When we're looking at justice and when we're looking at dismantling systems of oppression, it requires us to to find, identify, and call out where there is privilege and unequal power. Mm. Um, Pastor Thorpe, you, you just said it, that, that this woman comes to Jesus on, on the Jewish terms, that she uses the Jewish language, that mm -hmm. she appeals to him from that particular vantage point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we truly take a critical reading of the text, one could argue that she in, had to enter into that state of Jewish privilege and ask to be blessed. All that right. is not much different. Just bear with me. That's not much different than people who teach black folk, you need to code switch. Wow. When you go into, into your job, make sure your hair is straight. Make sure you don't speak any bonics. You have to look a certain way. You have to present a certain way. You need to speak a certain way. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we are going into, um, as an oppressed people, we're entering into a system and asking okay. that we be allowed to um, enjoy some peace or some benefit of being in that system. Okay. That's what I mean when I say I believe that the humanity of Jesus gives us an example of what it means to learn and grow beyond our places of privilege. And I want to make this very clear. I, I, I've used the example of, of black and brown people um, quite a bit tonight. But one of the things that I have had to wrestle with for myself is that even though I'm a black woman in America, I too sit in seats of privilege that other people do not. Mm. So, you know, Pastor Thorpe, one of the things that you, you introduced me and you said, I, I went to uh, Wake Forest and I've got this Master of Divinity and people... Mm -hmm will talk about, uh, and she also has a Master of Arts in Counseling, and she's so educated. I have to own the fact that my education puts me in a seat of privilege that some other people don't access. That's right. So even That's in right. that, there is work that I must do in order to do justice. If you are a man, you sit in a seat of privilege that women don't have yet. And so... In, in essence, we all have some level, some degree of privilege that we have to take ownership of and take responsibility for. It makes uh, Micah 6 and 8 much more relevant and much more personal for each of us because it's too easy to sit and say, well, I'm black and I'm a woman. I'm oppressed. Mm -hmm. No, there's some other things. There's some other things that I need to consider. Even though it's a... Um, uh, a tight subject matter and and people either you're you on one side or the other or you just don't talk about it all but even matters of sexuality mm -hmm. and marriage and all like all of that stuff that the church has to wrestle with and i'm not saying that to wrestle for or against it i'm just you know simply saying it's on the table that that there are things that we must wrestle with to ask the question are we doing justice one way or the other, are we doing justice? So, you know, um, the, 
So now what are the consequences when that justice is not demonstrated in our contexts and communities and churches? Uh-oh, hello? I'm here. Okay, ask, say that one more time. You cut what, off for me. What are, the, what are the consequences of not demonstrating that, that very justice and, and mercy that you've talked about? What are the consequences of not demonstrating that because God demands it? The consequences are what we have right now. <laughs> we have, I was reading something earlier today that talked about um, the mass exodus of people out of churches yeah, and yeah, out yeah. of communities of faith. That's one of the implications or one of the consequences. Um, we have uh, relegated and delegated um, certain things to political systems and outside of ourselves, and then we sit back and talk about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The craziness around us, in part, is because we have not done what God requires, which is do justice and love mercy. Um, I think that we continue to see a deterioration of those things, those systems and communities that once made us strong. And we have to get back to understanding what it means to truly be in community, mm -hmm. what it truly means to love one another, like for real, like love each other for real, not just in word, uh, but also in deed and in action. And we have to get back to understanding how to organize. Knowing how to organize for the sake of justice is so important. Right now, we have a whole lot of social media activists mm -hmm. and a whole lot of social media preachers, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. our actions are not matching the words that we're putting out on social media. And so what you have is almost like the, the little boy that cried wolf. You got people who are now looking at the church going, well, what y'all, the church isn't relevant anymore. They're challenging the relevance of the church. <laughs> they are challenging even the presence of God in the world. We, we sit and we talk about people not reverencing God anymore, but we have to take responsibility for the fact that we are the eyes, the ears, the hands, the feet, and the mouths of God in the earth. We are the vessels that are meant to show forth who God is. So if it seems that God is not present, we got to take ownership of that. We've got to say, oh, we messed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Sabrina, um, I was sharing with a class on yesterday, um, the course is entitled Critical Issues in Ministry. And we talked about going back to uh, paradigms, individuals who've demonstrated uh, justice, and we looked at the, the preacher king and his practices. Mm -hmm. And we basically began to sketch out some of those practices. Mm -hmm. And one thing we noticed about King and so many others, whether it's um, um, Ida B. Wales and so many others, and that was know your context. Yes. 
Yes. Know yes. where you are. Know your demographic. Know who is around yes. you, the movers and shakers. And mm. King knew um, his contents. And he had a, yes. a, a post on what was going on in the congregation. He had a post on what was going on in the community. <clears throat> he had a post on what was going on in his region and his nation and around the world. Yes. Because <clears throat> not only did he pray, but he also, he began to intercept the hopes with the hurts. Yes, yes. Where we began, church, to di discern and exegete not just the Bible, but yes. exegete the community, what's happening mm -hmm. around us. And because it doesn't affect you directly, doesn't mean it doesn't affect us indirectly. See, yes. know your contents. And second, we talked about developing a mantra. Mm -hmm. if, if we listen to, we, we, we still in the text, demonstrating justice. If you listen yes. to um, uh, uh, Dr. King, he develops the mantra uh, from the dream speech. We know the dream speech. He, yes. he, he says, uh, mm -hmm. um, um, I have a dream. And the other pieces, mm -hmm. Sabrina, let freedom ring. Yes. I'm suggesting that we know our context and the church need to develop a mantra that inspires yes. and presents hope for the people. Absolutely. Last thing. And what you what you are saying? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm with. No, go ahead. I'm with you. No, I was just gonna say what you what you just said to me illuminates the last part of verse eight, okay. where it says to walk humbly with your God. Now, yes. the the text says humbly, but a way to interpret that, or another word in some other interpretation mm -hmm. or translation, says to walk wisely with your God. What you're describing to me speaks of wisdom. Know wow. your audience. That's know your context. And the Bible says elsewhere that we are to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. That's wisdom. Getting up and, and just talking or running our mouths from a platform that we don't even know or understand where we are. Um, that is not wisdom. And that is the equivalent of casting your pearls among swine. My right? God. Yeah, You've yeah, got to yeah. know who you're talking to. you got to know what you're talking about. And you got to know why you're talking that goes back to what I said before about the pe people are starting to see the church as being irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The reason people are seeing the church as irrelevant is not necessarily because they don't have respect for God, but because the church has ceased to discern and exegete our society along with the text. <laughs> and All that's right. one of the things that I appreciate about the Jewish faith is that the rabbis will sit and ever so often they will wrestle with a text in context of what's happening in society. They will offer what I call fresh manna from this good old ancient book. They will offer fresh manna that makes it relevant to what's happening in the world today. Amen. The church has got to get to a point where we do that. Amen. Otherwise, we will continue 
to just be a tinkering bell with no no direction and we certainly will not inspire hope that's right that's right because you can't tell me i was talking to a friend earlier today and this is no offense at all to the old time preachers lord knows i love me some good old time who i love it right but if i am a single mother who have been on welfare and I have just been told that my benefits are getting cut and my child is cutting up in school and I'm working five jobs and two of them just laid me off and then I feel stressed out because of the political climate that we're in right now all of that stuff is going on and it's what I'm walking around with in my bags you telling me um, wade in the water and preaching wade in the water is not necessarily going to inspire hope for where I am now we have to make sure that we are making the connection so that we're not changing the story of jesus we're not changing the story of kingdom and and his resurrection and hope but we've got to put it in a package that people can understand now speaking of patch that is what it means Mm -hmm. speaking of package Mm -hmm. it's package speaking of package uh we 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 mentioned um that that King developed a mantra and that mm-hmm. he, 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 he finally, um, he implored a metaphor that the people can relate to. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Dr. King, he, he used a metaphor of, of a dream, a mountaintop and a bad check in his dream speech. So what we're saying is he he began to de- found a way to to um uh contextualize the concepts so that they they wouldn't forget what are we saying that if we hold up images metaphorically that people can see and identify with the listeners yes. those you mentioned the the single mother that they can relate mm-hmm. to and make it simple. Yes. I believe we own something. Because Absolutely. we we have to come out of um Micah the times of Micah and deal with the twenty first mm-hmm. century. Absolutely. And so, sister Sabrina, when you when you write your next sermon, when you, you do your next <laughs> workshop, when you, you, you teach your next lesson. When you do your next revival, think of oh my. metaphorical imagery that you can employ that demonstrate people can see the justice, the justice that needs to be demonstrated and yeah. grounded in faith. And I think yeah. we're on to something. Absolutely. Any, 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 any final words? I see Clara now, sis. any final words. I feel like I ran my mouth um, the whole time. I'd like to know if anybody else on the line has a question or a comment or even a rebuttal. You might be like, I don't agree with what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone uh, want to to share before we close uh, with prayer? um, You disappointed anybody that was on this line. You definitely 
did not disappoint me. I thoroughly learned something, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Sister Peggy. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to you. It was really interesting. I really appreciate you sharing. Amen. Amen. I really learned a lot. That's what Bible study is for. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anyone else? All right. Well, at this time, we, we'll close uh, in a word of prayer. And before we let you go, uh, we're looking forward to this this first Sunday. Uh, Pastor uh, Jarrell Jones will, will uh, be with us at the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, our first Sunday. And I uh, just really want to continue to pray for all of our shepherds, all of our pastors uh, during this time as we continue to celebrate um, our heritage and knowing that we stand on the shoulders of great men and women of faith. And so uh, please utilize your influence. Please, ma'am, please, sir, please vote. Uh, utilize your interests uh, and your involvement. Uh, such a time as this, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has in store uh, we're going to stay on the battlefield for the Lord. Uh, let us pray now. God, we thank you once again for this Bible study series as we end it in the month of February. Thank you for allowing us to talk about uh, 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 just mercy. Thank you for uh, Micah, who served as a paradigm uh, for today's church. And just encouraging us, God, to uh, stay the course and ask and the words of Michael, what, what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the Lord high God? And so uh, with the Lord be pleased that we continue to demonstrate mercy, to demonstrate justice and do the right thing. God, and that's what ethics is all about, doing the right thing, righteous living and loving one another. Bless us now. Be always with us again. Thank you for Sister Sabrina. And sharing upon uh, her heart. And uh, we're just grateful, God, tonight. Uh, bless us Amen. as we uh, conclude this service. And bless us as we continue to make foolproof of the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. Amen. Thank you, Sabrina. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Good night. Good night.